the Construction Employers Podcast, your connection to what's happening in the Northeast Ohio construction industry. Brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Hello, everyone. Tim Linville here with you, along with Glenn Shoemate from Construction Employers Association. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Today with us on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Ken Simonson, who is the Chief Economist for the Associated General Contractors of America. Welcome, Ken. Thanks. Glad to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Excited to have you on and to to hear your perspective on what you're seeing in the industry. Um, Before we get into that, though, I'd like to uh, tell the audience a little bit more about you. You've been with the AGC as the Chief Economist since 2001, uh, you're a fellow and past president of the National Association of Business Economists. Um, what is that organization? That's a professional organization for people who use economic information in the workplace. So that's a very broad definition. Potentially, anybody in business who's keeping an eye on economic conditions would be interested in joining. But uh, the people who uh, are active in it are mostly full-time economists who are are uh, working with companies or associations or government agencies, and uh, they're looking both at individual industries or sectors and the broader U.S. or even global economy. Yeah, great. So I saw in your your, uh, bio that you are an alum of the University of Chicago and Northwestern University. Are you a Chicago guy? No, I am. That's supposedly rare D.C. native. i was born in a hospital in D.C., went to public high school in D.C., uh, but I was uh, really smitten with Chicago when I visited there. I had been a math major at the outset, but uh, decided economics was really more my interest. I'd like to be able to apply numbers and, and help people understand what's going on with the economy. And uh, so I wound up with a B.A. in economics from Chicago and then a master's in economics at Northwestern, but my whole career has been uh, devoted to public policy, economic and tax policy, analysis, advocacy, communication, and various combinations. Uh, And I'm happy to say that uh, working with AGC has been the best job of my career. That's great. That's great. You also can uh, spend uh, with conferences sometime in Cleveland uh, periodically, but I know you travel throughout the U.S. What has brought you to Cleveland as frequently as it has been recently? Well, it's been a mix of uh, AGC, uh, invitations from you guys, and uh, NABE, the National Association for Business Economics, actually had its annual meeting in Cleveland a few years ago, and that was a very interesting experience. I'm part of another business economist group, which also met in Cleveland a few years back. And uh, Cleveland actually has a chapter of the National Association of Business Economics. So uh, folks who want to hear from visiting economists or even local ones like uh, some of the corporate economists such as Eaton or, uh, as you know, there's a Federal Reserve Bank uh, based in Cleveland. They have uh, some very talented economists who look at the regional economy as well as, uh, of course, monetary and banking policy. Yeah, it's great. I I, am. have some family that are interested in econo- economics. My brother-in-law is a professor at University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, and um, I have a son who's 
potentially going to go into the field. He's a sophomore at Kenyon College and economics major so far. So we'll see where that goes. Sounds like a lot. Great. As I recall, long ago, uh, Kenyon beat Chicago in basketball. That was a humiliating day for us. (laughs) Uh, I do have another Cleveland area connection. Uh, It's it's fading now, but my daughter went to Oberlin College. So I uh, spent uh, parts of four years driving to the Cleveland area. Oberlin's a nice place to visit. My wife actually grew up there. I went to high school all 12 years or went to school 12 years there. Um, so as a, as an economist looking at national trends and state, I know you have, um, um, state and even metropolitan statistics. What are your, what are your sources that you go to? I try to look at a wide variety of stuff for construction specific information. I uh, rely very heavily on the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the U.S. Census Bureau. BLS, of course, is known for uh, putting out the National Employment Report on the first Friday of each month. Within that, uh, they report on employment by both uh, residential and non-residential heavy and civil engineering construction firms. And uh, so we look at that. We look at the average hourly earnings. That's a measure of all wages and salaries in construction. And uh, the unemployment rate among people with uh, recent construction experience. Um, Then a little later in the month, they put out uh, something called the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, or JOLTS. It's my favorite acronym. Um, And that's significant because for the last year and a half, the number of job openings has been in construction has been the highest ever in the history of that series going back to uh, the beginning of this century. Um, so that, that's a sign of uh, how strong the demand for construction workers still is in spite of having a recovery that's 10 years old and then slowing down. And then the third thing that I find very useful from uh, BLS is the producer price index. They actually put out price indexes for thousands of different materials and inputs, and they have some indexes that measure the price of new non-residential buildings. Yeah, I, I missed the significance of your uh, your comment on the jolt statistic. What What was that again? Uh, Every month they report on how many job openings there were in construction at the end of the second preceding month. Mm. So uh, the the November uh, press release uh, reported that at the end of September, there were more openings in construction than in any September going back to 2001. Wow. Uh, And that was even though... Uh, the uh, number of people hired that month uh, was the highest in more than a decade before September. Obviously, construction has a lot of seasonality. So uh, for a series like that, you should only be looking at the same month over past years. Mm-hmm. So what that says to me is that uh, not only is construction finding workers, uh, but that they really want a whole lot more, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, for September uh, 2019, the industry hired more than 400,000 workers. That's a gross figure, obviously. Uh, they also, uh, companies also uh, lost a lot of workers to someone mm-hmm. else or retirement, or uh, they finished off a project and so they let workers go. But uh, gross hires over 400,000, 
And yet there were also 338,000 unfilled jobs at the end of September, which was, uh, as I said, the highest for September since the series began. And so I take that as a sign that uh, there's still a lot of optimism among contractors, uh, that there's plenty of work left. Yeah. Yeah, that's significant. Um, now we've heard for, I think, four or five years now, The at first it was the coming workforce shortage, and, and then it was, it's here, and now it, it, it seems to be almost... Uh, passe old news to say that there's a workforce shortage crisis. Uh, How would you characterize it from your data? Well, it does vary somewhat. In addition to that national employment figure, um, in the second half of the month, BLS reports on construction employment uh, for each state in the District of Columbia. And then uh, near the end of the month, sometimes a little into the next month, they report on construction employment by metro area. Now, those figures um, for most metros, including uh, the Cleveland area metro area, uh, include uh, mining and logging. But as you know, there there isn't a lot of forest land right around Cleveland that's being logged and, right. and the mining activity. Um, well, there, there's certainly some... Uh, drilling going on on the eastern edge of the state, but not in the Cleveland metro. So you can treat this as construction. And um, what we see is that uh, Cleveland had quite a burst of uh, increase in construction hiring, or let's say uh, construction employment, um, in late 2018, up until just a a month or two ago. Hmm. Uh, The very latest figures that have been released cover October, And those show that uh, there were 41,400 workers employed in construction in the Cleveland Elyria metro area in uh, October of this year. That matched the number from last year. So uh, no longer growing at the moment, but earlier in the year, big pickup uh, from a year earlier. So the question is, uh, has the market really softened or is there just not enough workers are uh, contractors still hanging out that help wanted sign or calling up the union halls and say, send us more, and they're not getting what they need right at this point. Uh, most of the country, uh, the metro employment is still rising. Um, and then in areas where it isn't, uh, where it stayed flat, like Cleveland, uh, there is that question to see uh, is it because you can't find the workers or the market is starting to cool off? Right. Yeah. Um, well, what kinds of how do the how does the BLS get that data to to be able to know if a worker is in the market? They um, use a, a variety of uh, what we call administrative records uh, with state agencies, um, and then for the unemployment rate, uh, they have what's called the household survey, and the Census Bureau actually does this for them each month. They uh, go out and ask specific individuals in about 60,000 households around the country, uh, did you work last month for pay? If the person says no, they ask, uh, did you actively look for work? And there's a definition of what actively looking is. Mm -hmm. And if the person says yes, then they're counted as unemployed and they're asked what uh, industry did they last work in? And if the answer is construction of some kind, and they're counted as an unemployed construction worker. And that figure has uh, also been at a series low. 
that series goes back to uh, 2000. And most months in the last year, uh, the unemployment rate for construction has been the lowest ever for that month. Again, Mm -hmm. there is seasonal variation from January to July. You probably don't have quite as many people working generally in the dead of winter in Cleveland as you do in the heat of summer. But um, it it does show that uh, economists don't usually use the word shortage, but it certainly shows that uh, there is a, a strong demand that isn't being met because there aren't many people with past construction experience who are sitting around home waiting for a call in. Right. Now, it's interesting. As I said earlier, the industry is hiring workers at a somewhat faster rate than the overall economy. Uh, The employment figures for October showed that construction employment increased nationally 2%. It was flat here in Cleveland, but nationally it increased 2%, whereas uh, the total non-farm payroll employment went up about 1.4%. So the industry is finding somebody to hire, but I think the evidence is strong that companies are not getting workers with the experience they'd like. And so there's probably more turnover because people who try construction for the first time, it's obviously uh, not for everyone, uh, and uh, also companies really do need people with particular skill levels, and that's why that uh, job opening number is so high. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I think before we started our recording, you mentioned a couple statistics regarding a survey that AGC had conducted of its members with respect to plans for 2020 to with respect to workforce. What were those statistics? Right. We ask, uh, we do a survey every summer of uh, contractors throughout the 88 AGC chapters that span the country. And as I think you know, uh, AGC members do every kind of construction other than single-family home building. And uh, this year, we uh, released the survey on August 27th. Uh, We had almost 2,000 responses, uh, including 21 who identified themselves as uh, working primarily in Ohio. I'm sure there there were many more work in Ohio, but um, the Ohio results, uh, very close to the national results, 90% of the Ohio contractors said that they expect to hire additional hourly craft personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that was even, and uh, the other 10% said that they'll at least be keeping their workforce, uh, their headcount the same. So nobody planning to reduce headcount uh, in the coming year. And um, for other types of personnel, also very high percentage expecting to expand. Um, But uh, the rub is that 81% of those Ohio contractors said they were having a hard time filling some or all uh, positions for both craft and salary uh, positions. Hmm. And... Overwhelmingly, they thought it would be as hard or harder to fill those craft positions in the coming year as it has been. So that you know, uh, how, how many people does it take to put up a building? The, the, the uh, you can make a joke out of that, but but yeah. uh, it, it brings to mind to me the reports that I've seen ever so often regarding productivity in the construction industry. 
And, um, and what I've seen is, I haven't seen the data for it, but I've, I've heard reports that construction is the only industry in which productivity has actually decreased over time. Is that accurate? And what would, what would that be based upon? I don't think it's accurate. I think it's based on uh, misuse of data. You know, that there's uh, the old saying attributed to Mark Twain, like many things that he never said as well as some he did, that there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. <laughs> In this case, uh, that uh, the, um, the notion that you can just add up all types of construction from uh, home additions to highways and and pipelines and say, all right, that's the output figure and how many people worked in construction in that period. And that's the, uh, you divide that into the, the dollars spent and voila, that's your productivity per worker. And then you look at the change in that. Well, of course, if you get a big increase in home building as we had uh, early uh, or through most of last decade, mm-hmm. uh, that that was growing faster than uh, these very capital-intensive projects, then you get a lot more people hired because it, it takes more workers per house than it does per mile of highway or pipeline or mm-hmm. uh, for, per floor of a high-rise building. And so it looks as if uh, the industry's productivity is going down. The reality, though, is if you divide that work into what's really separate kinds of projects, uh, and you can see that while we all, we call it all construction and everybody has a hard hat, we hope, but um, they're really different industry segments. Well, the Bureau of Labor Statistics did that uh, on a partial basis for uh, one particular time period. It, you really have to get very much down into the weeds. But mm-hmm. what they found was that, in fact, yes, there is productivity growth. Uh, in all four segments, they looked at single-family, multifamily, uh, industrial, and highway construction. Okay. And um, so uh, I do believe the industry is achieving productivity increase. We certainly look into that in our survey, too, not so that we can quote a number uh, that, that would be representative, but we ask, what are you doing about the difficulty you're having finding workers? And lots of uh, different things are, are proposed. Sure. Well, it it makes more sense that we would have productivity increase with the, uh, especially with the advent of new technologies and modular construction and um, offsite fabrication of entire rooms that we've seen in the industry. So that makes more sense than to say that that people have gotten less productive in the industry. That's right, and, and that business about offsite—that's that, interesting because, of course, once you build a, a room or a module or a panel or a wall in a factory, that's manufacturing, not oh. construction. So it, <laughs> it, uh, what, it's delivered to the site; it's uh, part of the cost of the building, mm-hmm. and so uh, the the output shows up in construction. But in fact, the workers who are doing most of the uh, the man hours, the the labor bill uh, would be manufacturing workers. So it gets very tricky to get an accurate measure of what uh, is productivity in construction because of these shifts. Uh, But we did ask about technology. 43% of the Ohio contractors said that they are investing in technology to 
automate processes to supplement worker duties, not to get rid of workers necessarily, but to make those workers more productive. And 43% are investing in labor-saving equipment such as drones, robots, 3D printers, laser or GPS-guided equipment. Mm. Um, so uh, there is a lot going on on the job site. And of course, uh, we've had building information modeling around for more than a decade, lean construction uh, and other methods. Um, and some of these require uh, more workers or certainly uh, workers with new skill sets. Uh, so uh, somebody who might have been uh, laying out string to uh, show where uh, a, a uh, grader should go or uh, hanging a plumb bob. Instead, they're using lasers to do that. And so you need uh, to keep training workers and uh, not necessarily getting rid of them, but uh, upping their skills. Sure. Um, you mentioned earlier the producer price index, and it, um, there's been a lot of news this year about tariffs. Has it affected the producer price index? Yes, um, but it's quite interesting. We saw a huge jump in uh, the producer price index for both steel and aluminum. Uh, after the president put on a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum. Even construction firms that were buying from U.S. producers, they found those producers were jacking up the price right in tandem with import prices. Well, the the tariffs were a one-time shock, and it really was a shock to many companies. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, as global demand slowed and as demand from many U.S. industries has slowed. Lately, we've seen signs that manufacturing is actually in decline. Uh, those prices have come back down. And in fact, the president took off tariffs on Canadian and Mexican steel and aluminum. Mm -hmm. They were uh, major suppliers of construction steel. So uh, those prices have come down. But now, again, uh, there's the, the threat that... Um, at least uh, Mexican, uh, at least uh, Argentinian, Brazilian steel, uh, they're subject to tariffs again. And uh, some of those other tariffs still in place and threats that there will be more. Mm -hmm. I think, though, the, the real impact on construction from uh, the both existing tariffs, the threatened new tariffs, and perhaps most important, the retaliatory actions that other countries have taken is it's eating into demand for projects. And while mm -hmm. contractors still say they're busy and they haven't been told of projects being canceled, uh, the evidence from other surveys is that um, manufacturers and other businesses are just not ordering as much equipment, not building up inventories. And so that has a negative effect on uh, the need to build new factories, new warehouses, new transportation facilities, and um, I, I think... Uh, it's a major reason that construction spending increases have flattened out this year. Okay. Would that be a price issue or an uncertainty or a combination of both? Well, that's right. It, it, it's a combination. Some uh, firms find that they are no longer competitive because uh, they need to use uh, foreign inputs. That, uh, there have been a lot of stories about how uh, companies are trying to shift production out of China into other countries, but uh, those countries just don't have uh, the, the skilled labor, the factories, the uh, transportation networks to uh, produce things on the same scale, quality, or time frame. 
Uh, but then also, it's those retaliatory actions. Soybean producers uh, certainly found to their sorrow that uh, the Chinese market that uh, had uh, been supporting them was uh, slammed shut. Mm-hmm. And uh, many other uh, countries have faced, uh, many other types of businesses have faced uh, uh, what we call tit for tat retaliatory tariffs. Uh, so, uh, Kentucky bourbon and uh, many other things um, that. Uh, all of a sudden, are no longer competitive. I don't like to hear Kentucky bourbon getting <laughs> slammed. <laughs> Ken, um, the federal level impacts upon construction around policies, um, programs such as healthcare, or opportunity zones, you know, tax reform, um, even uh, county and fez uh, standards, which for revenue recognition. Can you speak to federal level? Um, impacts on in our industry? Sure. Uh, AGC of America has a staff of uh, over 65 people, and a major reason for existence here is uh, to uh, inform federal agencies, uh, lawmakers, and their staffs about how proposed regulations and laws and existing ones affect construction. Uh, there's really very little understanding of uh, construction operations, procedures, labor relations, and so forth uh, among uh, either elected officials or uh, staff. And so uh, an organization like AGC uh, plays a big role in uh, informing them, hoping to uh, head off uh, harmful policies and uh, maybe uh, win a few victories now and then. Um, so uh, I think that uh, we have uh, probably done pretty well uh, in the last few years in uh, making sure that uh, conditions are not getting more difficult for contractors in terms of uh, federal regulations. Uh, in terms of getting legislation, uh, it's been a mixed bag. You mentioned opportunity zones. That has the potential of driving investment into a lot of areas that have been designated by the Treasury Department, very specific boundaries uh, that would get very favorable tax treatment for uh, investment. The investment doesn't have to be in uh, buildings, but uh, that is uh, one way that you can get uh, the uh, capital gains and other tax relief. However, uh, to get people to actually pony up the money, you need to have regulations that make a lot of things more clear than the law itself. And those regs have been slow in coming. So we haven't seen many examples yet of opportunity zones, but mm. it still looks like a, a, an area that could be uh, very fruitful for parts of the Cleveland market as well as other uh, places all over the country. A couple of um, issues that I've received Advocacy emails from AGC staff recently were, I think it was yesterday or the day prior, uh, regarding a, an effort to repeal the Cadillac tax on health plans, which would uh, significantly adversely uh, affect the costs of our construction industry here in Cleveland. Um, another one. That's right. Yeah. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say another one would be re- with respect to uh, multi employer uh, pension reform. And um, the AGC sent us an email last week regarding the Senate's um, proposed legislation, which, again, 
you mentioned that lawmakers often don't understand our industries and the impact of what they're doing. Uh, it's another example uh, of that being the case because uh, it's basically intended to save the uh, the Teamsters plan, which uh, has its own issues um, and could take down the entire pension benefit guarantee board. Um, but it would significantly harm all the rest of the construction industry. Um, so just a couple of issues that are very important to our contractors that AGC is advocating on. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned those. Those are things that uh, we've been working on uh, in the case of uh, pension, uh, multi-employer pension plan reform. I know that's been uh, uh, an albatross around uh, the necks of uh, many companies for decades now, but it is really uh, getting more and more severe. Um, and it's something AGC has been at the forefront of trying to find a solution that is acceptable to uh, members of Congress who have very different political views. So right. you can imagine that uh, this is a, a hard sell. But uh, we we do have a degree of optimism that uh, we can thread that needle. So, Ken, a couple of other uh, kind of questions or comments or looking for feedback on as we talk about construction industry, there are a lot of segments uh, that make up our industry from building the highway to healthcare to, you know, industrial, residential, oil and gas, right? Um, do you have a perspective of, you know, certainly uh, maybe within the Midwestern markets, maybe not enough insight in Cleveland or uh, specifically, but where you see um, highs or lows in, in various segments? Sure. Um, and uh, I mentioned at the outset that w one of the sources I rely on heavily is the U.S. Census Bureau. On the first business day of each month, they put out uh, figures on uh, 170 or so different categories of construction, uh, both public and private, uh, residential and non-residential. Uh, the figures that uh, came out on December 2nd for uh, October showed that total construction spending in the first 10 months of this year, and this is nationwide, uh, was actually down 1.7% compared to the first 10 months combined of 2018. So that sounds pretty dismal, but uh, you really need to unpack those numbers. And it turns out that nearly all of the decline was in a new single-family home construction. Uh, multifamily was up uh, nearly 5%. Um, the private non-residential categories uh, were roughly flat overall because of a huge drop in retail construction. Uh, but uh, other segments, uh, such as um, uh, transportation-related construction, manufacturing, office, uh, lodging, all of those were up. Healthcare was up. Uh, and then public construction was actually up more than 6% in the first 10 months of this year compared to first uh, 10 months of last year. And uh, every significant uh, category of public construction other than healthcare was up. Uh, very strong gains for um, highway and street, for transportation facilities such as uh, uh, the uh, light rail and heavy rail commuter rail the airports and port spending. Uh, so uh, I would say that uh, the market nationwide remains uh, fairly robust, but uh, has a, a couple of notable weak spots. Going mm -hmm. for 2020, 
I think that uh, we will see a gradual slowdown, but uh, still positive overall for construction. And uh, the biggest change perhaps will be that single-family home building is finally uh, really getting going, that uh, with the big drop in mortgage interest rates that we saw starting in the late summer, uh, finally more people are qualifying for mortgages, and I think uh, making the decision this time to buy a home or uh, to sell the one they have and instead uh, move into another one. Uh, but uh, single-family home building does bring with it uh, various types of other construction, whether it's uh, some local retail, uh, usually some school construction, and uh, also uh, infrastructure like uh, waters and, water and sewer construction. Uh, so I think uh, that next year will be positive, uh, not just for single-family home building, but uh, even multifamily will probably continue increasing, and uh, many of the non-residential categories should be at least slightly positive. I don't want to get carried away, though. GDP growth, while it's still positive, we're not heading to recession, it's slowing down. Uh, the trade situation is uh, certainly a negative for many industries, including many categories of construction projects. Mm -hmm. As for Cleveland or Ohio specifically, um, you're certainly more tied to manufacturing, uh, heavy industry, uh, the auto industry, uh, speaking for the state as a whole, and uh, to trade. And so uh, I think Ohio's future is somewhat more vulnerable uh, than uh, construction nationwide uh, because uh, of that uh, more of an industrial focus than the, uh, the service-oriented and, um, and uh, in some areas, uh, uh, residential growth that uh, mm -hmm. is not happening where you are. Where can individuals um, look for, I think, uh, signals and signposts is a term I think I've seen associated with you. Um, you know, if one wants to find trends or one wants to understand how they can, you know, understand the status or current conditions of, a, mm -hmm. of the construction market, uh, any suggestions on uh, where one can look? Yeah, I write a weekly one-page summary of economic news relevant to construction called the Data Digest, and um, it's uh, free for uh, any AGC uh, members, so uh, I'm glad to add them to the email list. Uh, they can email me directly at ken.simonson, S-I-M-O-N-S-O-N, at agc.org, or if that went by too fast uh, on the podcast, they can uh, get hold of uh, you, Glenn, or Tim, and uh I know you'll pass it on, and I'll put them on the email list. I also do a very detailed uh, PowerPoint presentation, uh, which I update frequently, and I'm happy to uh, send that along. And then uh, on the AGC website, agc.org, we have fact sheets for every state. Just look at the, the map uh, on the state fact sheets. You can click on Ohio and see a lot of information about uh, construction uh, wages uh, compared to all other wages, about uh, employment by metro area statewide compared to uh, nationally, and also some spending-related information. In the annual survey, which you guys do around workforce, um, uh, is a summer survey? Yeah, we actually do two surveys, and, and we do post those on the website along with a press release. 
that uh, summarizes the results, but you can get the detailed national or state results. Uh, we are actually going to be putting out a uh, our annual hiring and business outlook survey uh, tentatively uh, December 18th, and that will be available on the website, and we'll do a webcast about that. Um, that asks a bunch of questions about what companies foresee uh, for the markets that they compete in, all the market segments they compete in. It uh, uh, more or less repeats a couple of questions about hiring, but also uh, about uh, technology adoption and plans. So uh, I would certainly recommend that people uh, take a look at that. And again, you can get that from agc.org. And uh, you can also uh, see the news releases we put out uh, each month on construction spending, on national employment, on producer price indexes, and uh, ranking all of the states and all of the metro areas by change in construction employment. So uh, typically, we have four or five press releases uh, the day that new data comes out. Ken, thanks, thanks a lot for being with us this morning and spending the time. Our, our members appreciate it. The listeners appreciate it. And Glenn and I certainly do. And all the, you're always there when we, when we need you. And we certainly appreciate that and all that the AGC has done. Okay. Happy to do it. All right. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you again in Cleveland, Ken. Okay, Glenn. Have a great uh, December and New Year's, and I'll be talking to you. Thank right. you. Take care. Thank you for listening. To find more information about the discussion in this or prior episodes, be sure to check the episode notes section in your podcast app. Get notified and automatically download the latest episode by subscribing to the Construction Employers podcast in the iTunes Store or in Google Play. This podcast is brought to you by the Construction Employers Association. Find us on the web at www.ceacisp.org.